MSW Media. News was Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Today, Trump loses more election lawsuits and the one he did win was overturned. So he's an extra loser. Rudy appears in court for the first time in almost three decades, and it goes about as well as you'd expect. Trump's new secretary of defense orders a significant troop drawdown. Trump sought options for attacking Iran to stop its nuclear program. And Lindsey Graham called the Georgia secretary of state and urged him to throw out a bunch of legal ballots. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. So what a fun day uh, in the news. Yeah, I am a little beside myself, you know, just for the listeners, when we popped on to record this, I was like, AG, can you just let me know everything's going to be okay? Because I don't, I'm a little freaked out today. Right, because we have some breaking news that just happened, like literally just happened. And as we were talking about yesterday and the day before, and as we kind of thought, because, you know, Trump fired Brian Ware the deputy director of the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, the CISA. Uh, he did that on the same day that CISA put out a statement saying the elections are fine. There was nothing. These are the safest elections we've ever had. And Chris Krabs, who's the director, you know, because Brian Ware was the associate director or the deputy director. Chris Krabs was like, yeah, he's probably going to fire me, too. He did. And that's what just happened on Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and then we've got this breaking stuff with Detroit. I'm like, what in the what the, what the fuck? I, I know I'm we're la- this is what people expect. So I'm dropping an F bomb top of the show. We should get into this, <laughs> this craziness. I know I'm not supposed to use yeah, that word, absolutely. but this feels like craziness. This is crazy making. This is crazy making mm. for the entire country. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, it's a lot. And I actually sat on the, I had, and this this is surreal that I, you know, dialed in and listened to Rudy Giuliani talk to a judge today. It was very interesting. Um, He had read, Giuliani was using some decision and he talked about Bush v. Gore for a while saying it was exactly like this and it's not at all. It's got nothing, it's nothing like that. Uh, But he said, you know, that that this judge had decided about the opacity of something. And then he told the judge he doesn't even know what that word means. And I was like, oh, my God. And then and then I tweeted that out. And I, you know, Dana, I love people who listen to the Daily Beans are the smartest, funniest people because I tweeted that out. Just, hey, Giuliani told the judge he doesn't know what opacity means. That's all. Carry on with your day. Yeah. And somebody somebody replied, I bet the judge is going to see right through that. And I couldn't stop laughing for like an hour. So. So I like puns and there's some good puns on Twitter. (laughs) There are. And uh, I just want to let everybody know before we get into the news, we are going to be off on Thursday, the 26th. I think it's the 26th and Friday, the 27th, whatever Thanksgiving is and the Friday after Thanksgiving. So uh, I might pop in and give you like a headline update. You know me. But uh, we're taking those days off, giving the staff every, you know, everything, all the, you know, the, the time off. Most of us aren't traveling. We're not doing family stuff. But I want to, you know, we need to, to you know, have the, do the self-care thing. So just wanted to let you know. Yeah, for sure. All right. We do have a lot of news. Yeah, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The lead story would be the CISA guy, Krebs, getting fired. But we talked about that uh, in the discussion up front in the show there. So 
but and there's really nothing more to add other than it's the you know we'll get into a little bit later about the absolute just sabotage that's going on uh, from the Trump administration and the lead story today is is about Lindsey Graham Lindsey Graham crackers and how he actually phoned the Georgia Secretary of State and urged him to throw away ballots. <laughs> I don't understand why. The, I mean, I do. The de, we know who's running the Department of Justice, but this should be investigated yesterday, like immediately. I know. Yeah, and it, that is a crime. Uh, and so, I mean, I guess it depends on precisely how he said it, but that's it's a crime. And uh, he... And okay, the guy's name is Brad Raffensperger. This is this is the Republican Secretary of State in Georgia. He said Monday that he has come under increasing pressure in recent days from other Republicans too, but mostly Len- Lindsey Graham, uh, who said he questioned the validity of legally cast absentee ballots, and he was tr- trying to do this to reverse President Trump's loss in the state. And the atmosphere has grown so contentious, uh, Raffensperger said he and his wife, Trisha have received death threats in recent days, according to a text to him that read, you better not botch this recount. Your life depends on it. Botch the recount. Like, you better make shit up. They're just sh- shitty mobsters. I mean, <laughs> you better not botch the recount. What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> I know. Yeah, and Graham questioned Raffensperger uh, uh, about the state's signature matching law. This is what the phone call was about. Or, and he's, he wanted to know about the signature matching law and whether political bias could have prompted poll workers to accept ballots with non-matching signatures. And Graham also asked if Raffensperger had the power to toss all mail ballots in counties found to have higher rates of non-matching signatures. Meaning, you know, the, you know, let's say... We go and we do a, an audit and we find that 18 ballots that shouldn't have had the signatures matched had the signatures matched, but they, were, they weren't really that close on the signature matching uh, thing, right? And, and so 18 in this county, but there was 140 in this county. That means we have to throw out all mail-in ballots in that county because uh, clearly they like Biden better. So they were matching signatures that didn't normally match. Right. Which is ridiculous. So we have to throw them all out. Yeah. Uh, now, Graham denied this, of course. He said, because this is illegal. So Graham, <laughs> Graham said, uh, I didn't do that. Uh, I just wanted to understand the signature matching program. And he was, you know, that's all. Uh, he was definitely not told. He said, and I was definitely not told to contact Raffensperger by Trump. No, sir, not at all. He didn't tell me to do it. Like, no one asked you. Uh, if Trump told you to do that, but he he offered it up. And Graham said Tuesday that he had spoken to officials in Arizona and Nevada, too, to make it look like it's his norm, right? Like, I'm, I'm calling everybody and asking about their signature matching program. Uh, immediately, uh, he's like, yeah, I talked to Arizona and Nevada, too. And, and he told that to reporters in the capitals. And then immediately, secretaries of state for Arizona and Nevada said they never talked to Lindsay. On Twitter, which was beautiful. Yeah. And then Lindsay said... Oh, no, no, no. I spoke to Doug Ducey in Arizona, and I forget who I talked to in Nevada. Of course. Just Bob. You yeah, know, just Nevada Bob, the guy Bob. that picks up the phone. Super, uh, super important. <laughs> Makes a lot of decisions for Nevada. Uh, these headlines. All right. This one um, is actually, uh, these all make me very nervous, Allison. Okay. Okay. This next one is uh, Trump's newly minted Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, announced in a questionless press conference today that they're going to draw down American troops in Iraq and Afghanistan to 2,500 in each country by January 15th, 2021. He also said, without being asked, uh, this does, quote, this does not equate change 
to U.S. policies or objectives, but provides no detail about the plan and refused to answer questions following today's appearance in the Pentagon briefing room. Currently, there are about 4,500 U.S. troops in Afghanistan and about 3,000 troops in Iraq. Now, the National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, discussed the drawdown from the White House driveway shortly after the Pentagon announcement, but like Miller, he did not take any questions from journalists about this decision. (sighs) Still, the Trump administration's decision to withdraw thousands of troops from Afghanistan and Iraq has fueled speculation that the president can move to reduce the number of U.S. forces in other countries as well. To that end, two defense officials told CNN that the administration plans to maintain 900 troops in Syria, but could issue an order to withdraw more than 500 troops from Somalia in the near future. This this news prompted... I'm only laughing because I'm scared. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Okay. this <laughs> The news prompted criticism from several GOP lawmakers, including Mitch McConnell. So if Mitch McConnell is giving criticism, something's fucking wrong. Uh, who did not refer to Trump by name, but voiced his clear opposition to a rapid withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan, saying it would hurt our allies, which is something Trump has done his entire uh, administration. The top Democrat on the Senate committee, Jack Reed of Rhode Island, criticized the announcement as well. So, and said, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. President Trump is once again choosing the wrong way, and we can't let U.S. national security and our relationships with steadfast partners become a casualty of President Trump's wounded ego, he said. He went on to, Mm. yeah, I mean, this is very true and very direct. Instead of heeding the advice of a national security professionals and working with our allies, President Trump is venting his frustration over losing the election in a manner that is more costly, jeopardizes our military personnel, aids the Taliban and terrorist networks, and emboldens those who want greater conflict with Iran, Reid added. Now, who would benefit the most from instability in this area, Allison? AG? The Taliban? The Taliban? The Taliban and, and Putin? Putin, thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Tell her what she's won, Bob. <laughs> I win a podcast that talks about Putin. Um... Yeah, no, it's it's blatantly obvious that not only is this, you know, he this seems just like sabotage, right? He's he he's going to draw the troops down and he pro, he ran on the he, he it was his campaign promise I'm going to take it end the endless wars, blah blah blah, withdraw the troops. And uh, I'm sure he wanted to withdraw them all. And they were like, no. And so they ended up with 2,500 apiece in each country, which is still a massive drawdown and helps the Taliban, helps Putin, uh, destabilizes the region. Um, You also have to consider, you know, India and Pakistan and Iran. I mean, the whole Middle East is just, you know, messed up Potamia, as Jon Stewart called it. But, you know, here he's doing this by January 15th. So he gets the benefit of having pulled the troops out of the country. Right. And Joe Biden gets the uh, resurgence of ISIS and terrorist groups in in the region when that happens. Question for you, because I know you would probably have an opinion on this. I'm seeing some rumors about him pulling out U.S. troops to put Prince's uh, basically paid soldiers for, you know, that Trump would be making a shit ton of money off in the area. Any thoughts? That's another thing, too, is and that I mean, that could be I haven't read anything yet about putting any of the like the Eric Prince mercenaries in there. But we already have a ton of contractors uh, over there, like the Blackwater type um, type contractors. Right. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you draw down the troops, it it's going to be up to I mean, it's going to be up to Biden. Right. Right. Yep. And so, 
you know, it, does he put troops back in? And then is he unpopular for sending more troops back into the Middle East? It's it's just sabotage. And it's at the cost of probably American troops' lives. Absolutely. Um, and it's absolutely banana. I, I, it makes me, it's very frustrating because these are people. Yeah. And they're people that are doing a job that the president of the United States uh, faked bone spurs uh, for to, to avoid doing, which is even more frustrating to me. Yeah, right. And and I'm, I have to wonder, you know, I wonder if this is one of the reasons Trump put all of his Devin Nunes lackeys in the Pentagon, pulled everybody out of the Pentagon. Sure. Because, you know, Ashton Rangappa and I talked about, well, they're in there looking for declassifying documents. These are the these are the conspiracy theorists. But he also, you know, he I'll get into this now. He had asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting Thursday, last Thursday, whether he could attack Iran um, against their main Iran nuclear sites in the coming weeks, you know, before he left office. And uh, he was talked out of that. Uh, but, you know, here he is trying to make these major moves that normal human beings who used to work in the Pentagon, who even though they were still a-holes, would never have allowed to happen. And so now we've got these mag- massive troop with, you know, drawdowns. And now and we are learning from, I think the Washington Post is the one who first published this story, that he wanted to attack Iran. And, you know, the former current U.S. officials told the Post this on Monday. Uh, A range of senior advisors dissuaded the president, like I said, from moving ahead. The advisors included Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Chris Miller, who's his new guy, the acting defense secretary, General Mark Milley, uh, or excuse me, Chris Miller is the acting defense secretary. And then General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, also warned that a strike against Iran's facilities could easily escalate into a broader conflict in the last week or two of Trump's presidency. So he's actually asked if he could start a war with Iran over the nuclear problem, which he tore up the nuclear deal. Right. I'm so, I mean, I do have some, at least constitutionally, Congress is the only people that can actually declare war. But I'm I'm still worried that that isn't going to, like, I feel like, what is real anymore? But it's not. And what, right, exactly. If the Congress isn't the only, because under the... You know, in response to to nine eleven, we now have that we get you know right. the president can unilaterally go do this do, do you know declare war and he he uh, could do that. Thanks, AG. I'm gonna go take another Xanax. I'm gonna move on to this story. <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh, at least there's the Constitution. You're like, nope. <laughs> well, any strike, whether it's missile or cyber, cyber, would certainly be focused on Natanz, which is where the International Atomic Energy Agency reported on Wednesday that Iran's uranium stockpile was now 12 times larger than permitted under the nuclear accord that Trump tore up. And we've we've already reported on this uh, since Mr. Trump dismissed uh, Esper, right, by tweet. Uh, other top Pentagon aides last week as well. The Defense Department and other national security officials have privately expressed worries that the president might initiate operations, whether overt or secret, against Iran or other adversaries at the end of his term. So the president is trying to sabotage the incoming Biden administration. It's He's got this bunker mentality, according to a bunch of aides familiar with this. He's canceled Thanksgiving at Mar-a-Lago. He's pulling troops. He's leaving Joe to deal with the backlash. Uh, he's blocking national security briefings now for Biden. He's blocking access to the COVID task force. In fact, Biden sat down today with people who know national security but don't have access to classified information just so that he can sort of have talks about national security, even though Trump is blocking him from receiving classified briefings. It's um, He's just a angry tyrant baby, and he's sad that he lost and so he's trying to sabotage the incoming administration 
Yeah. That's it. And he's doing it. I, you know, I don't know. Hopefully some of these things will actually be punishable. Um, I don't know if he's, if what he's doing is illegal or if he's just being a dick. So I guess we'll, we'll find out. Um, the, the coronavirus is, is raging on, raging on everyone. So please, we keep saying this over and over. I know some of you, um, are, are hopefully all of you are, are missing the holidays with your family. I hate to say that, but that you're just, you know, if you're with small groups and with your, you know, internal family celebrate, just stay home. Uh, the coronavirus update is a little scary. We have over 11.3 million cases as of Tuesday and over 240,000 deaths in the United States. So Pfizer says its version of the vaccine has reached its safety milestone and is preparing to file for emergency authorization. This is a good thing. However, we don't expect access to the larger public uh, until sometime next year. And right now, 49 states have increasing cases, with three of them holding very steady. Ohio on Tuesday became the latest state to respond to surging coronavirus infections with more restrictions, enacting an overnight curfew for businesses that will last at least three weeks and perhaps longer. In Ohio, Governor uh, Mike DeWine said that 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew, which begins Thursday, will help slow virus spread and prevent hospitals from getting overwhelmed, a dangerous situation that leads to less attentive care and more fatal- uh, to less attentive care and more fatalities. What's interesting to me is that like it's starting to get cold in Ohio. I really don't think the the hours between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. are the problem right now, and they did this in New York too. So I have some opinions about that. I think it's very strange. Uh, that they close the bars and gyms after 10 p.m. in New York because apparently no one sweats or drinks during the day there. Um, it's just, it's very, very weird to me. Fauci said on Tuesday that the nation needed a uniform approach to the coronavirus pandemic rather than a disjointed state-by-state response, which is what's happening, a remark that echoed the views of President-elect Joe Biden and contrasted sharply with Trump's coronavirus strategy. The top two Democratic congressional leaders moved to kickstart negotiations on a sweeping coronavirus relief bill Tuesday, inviting Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to rejoin talks in hopes of cutting a deal before lawmakers leave Washington next month. Because, of course, they get to go on vacation, but we don't. Uh, The time to act is upon us like never before. For the sake of the country, we ask that you come to the table and work with us to produce an agreement that meets America's needs in this critical time. That was uh, Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer. That's what uh, they wrote to Mitch McConnell in a joint letter. Like, we need to do this now. Um, Senator Sherrod Brown, this is really interesting, uh, who I love. I love Senator uh, Sherrod Brown. Took to the Senate floor on Monday. He had one request for uh, Senator Dan Sullivan, who is a Republican from Alaska, just to please wear your mask. Please wear your mask. It's not that fucking hard. Please wear your mask. Uh, The Republican presiding over the Senate abruptly cut Brown off and said, I don't wear a mask when I'm speaking, like most senators, which is really funny, people, Mm. because that's when you're supposed to be wearing a mask. I can only, (laughs) AG, I can only laugh at this point. He said, I don't wear a mask when I'm speaking. He then went on to say, "His, um, by the way, his red, white, and blue mask, that it sat atop of his desk. It was right there. He said, I don't need Mm -hmm. your instructions to Brown. Uh, And then if you watch the video, he actually never had his mask on, even when he wasn't speaking. Um, And he was he's literally just a couple of feet behind congressional staffers spitting on them, Mm -hmm. just spitting on. them. Yeah. Spitting distance. 
literally. Just wear a mask, people. It inf- yeah. It's so uh, frustrating for me. I go on walks every morning just for my own sanity. And I wear my KN95 the entire time from when I leave my apartment until I come back in. And listen, I'm not passing people, but I just know it's safer. And it's so crazy to me, crazy making, that I'll pass two people on the street talking and they have their masks on their chin. I'm like, that's not what it's for. <laughs> Put it over your damn mouth and nose. Yeah. And the CDC is now saying it's not just about protecting others. So if you are a selfish asshole, rest assured, uh, the mask does protect you from getting the virus, if that's what you care about. Um, but Chuck Grassley now has uh, announced that he's he's COVID positive. Who's, what, 82? 82? Isn't he around 82? 87. 87. He's 87. Dude is old enough to have been friends with Abe Lincoln. <laughs> and uh, he is, he has tested positive. And I, I wish him well. You know, I don't wish harm Absolutely. on anybody because he's an old AF. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, I, you know, I don't just wish, you know what I'm saying. I, I um, know what you're saying. Yep. It's just more of a statement. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I, I he, he's he's an older he's a gentleman of a certain age. Yeah, and I don't feel like he was doing really well already. If you if you like follow his tweets or you follow his Twitter account, um, it's hidden. Yeah, there's some uh, something's going on. Um, and so I do uh, I do wish him the best. But that is from the Senate floor. He could have fucking gotten it from that uh, Sullivan guy. Yeah. I don't wear masks when I talk, you know, that guy. Yeah. Sorry, that was probably loud in everybody's ears, but no. We're having a day, people. Just get, we're having a day. We'll get to some good news at the end. We'll all feel better. But right now, we're having a day. We do. We do have some good news coming up later. And right now, uh, I'll be back with Andy Lawfer. We're going to discuss Rudy Giuliani's first day in court. So there's some, there's some funny moments in there as well. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode is brought to you by the good people at Raycon. If you've been listening to the podcast for a bit, I'm sure you've heard me rave about Raycon earbuds. They make the best wireless earbuds anywhere, and for a fraction of the cost, everyone needs to get a pair, and everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, and these are the ones you should get. You don't have to drop a couple hundred bucks on a pair. Check out Raycon. Their earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing or better than the other top audio brands. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless blue Bluetooth pairing, rich bass, and a more compact design gives you a nice noise-canceling fit. Uh, I love Raycon's wireless earbuds because they're comfortable. They're perfect for conference calls, binging podcasts, and audiobooks, which I do a lot on my walks. (laughs) And it doesn't have any wires or antenna to get in the way. I'm always losing earbuds, but Raycons are so affordable, I just bought a couple pairs. So now I've got backups. And everyone can use extra ones, right? So Raycons are much more comfortable than other wireless earbuds I've tried. These ones are stylish and discreet. Like I said, no dangling wires. Melissa Etheridge, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B all use Raycons. So um, anyway, you should pick yourself up a pair. Raycon wireless earbuds and see what the what they're raving about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash starburns. That's buyraycon.com slash starburns for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash starburns. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to discuss Rudy's first time in court since I graduated high school is civil rights attorney, and he sits on the board of directors for the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. Please welcome Andrew Laufer. Andrew, welcome. Hello, Allison. How are you? 
Uh, I'm having it. This is a humorous day, but also a sad day for things that shouldn't ever have to go on in a federal courtroom. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Busy as all heck. You know, the legal world does not stop for anything. No. Yeah. And it, it doesn't. And uh, as evidenced today by we're watching live uh, live tweeting streams of folks who are listening in on the on the the federal court. Um, basically, this is the case that used to be like a 20 page case filed by the Trump administration uh, with all sorts of allegations of, of voting, uh, voter fraud, et cetera, in, in Pennsylvania. They dropped most of their complaints. Uh, the Trump administration has. And now the defendants are asking to have the case dismissed. That's sort of where we're at. And this is the hearing now on on for that for, you know, tell us why your your case should be dismissed. And as we know, Rudy Giuliani was just put in charge of uh, Trump's legal dream team, which the three three of the five of them are under federal investigation. But um, but here we are today. And so, uh, you know, this is this is, I think, the remaining issue. Well, we'll get into it because, you know, I'm following this. And the, here's the crazy thing. There's a maximum of 4000 people that can listen in on the line and they're maxed out at 4000. They had to open up another line and that one maxed out. So everybody's really interested in this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's uh, it has more to do with, you know, listening to Rudy flame out, in my opinion, than than actually what's going on, because. They have no case. I mean, Trump has no case. Rudy is just throwing whatever he can throw at the wall to see what sticks. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. This is not going to change the outcome of anything. The, the most that this may lead to are sanctions and, and, and uh, costs being awarded to the defendants here. Yeah, that's what we. That's exactly my thoughts too. And and because Rudy opened his, you know, I guess these are opening arguments i'm not sure i'm not really familiar with just you know the 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 sort of the uh, structure of a hearing like this but he he got up and said there's widespread nationwide voter fraud uh he says this is one of the situations where you do not let a serious crisis go to waste i don't know what that means uh he said mail-in ballots are a threat to voter the threat of voter fraud uh, he says, we now have an opportunity to hold back votes or produce votes after an election to make up a deficit, which is not true. And he claims inspectors weren't allowed to observe the ballot counting. But th- that part of the complaint had been thrown out. They aren't there about that. Right. And so this is a lot of th- these are a lot of lies. And I wanted to ask you about rules 11, rule 12. Are trial lawyers allowed to just do that because I feel like he's just using the federal court as a bullhorn for his conspiracy theories. Oh, I agree totally. Um, you know, the, yes, I, in my opinion, this this definitely calls for a rule that sanctions. Um, there's no reasonable, you know, attorneys in general are allowed to extrapolate from facts and place them in a light most favorable to their clients. They're not allowed to make up facts or lie. Okay, they're just not allowed to do that, and that's sanctionable conduct. And federal judge, all judges, I shouldn't just say federal, all judges view that type of activity as an abomination, essentially, you know, that you, 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 in a legal world, you'll, you'll get sanctioned, you'll get um, vilified from the bench, and you'll lose. And it really just leads to nothing but, um, you know, a lot of uh, hard feelings for the receiving end of uh, the people on, that are getting the sanctions. So it, it just really is a big waste of time. It's a show. I mean, that's what Rudy is. He's being a showman now for his one client. And it's not going to accomplish anything. 
you know, the people that always believe Trump, that always believe Rudy, are, are still going to do that. And, you know, maybe this will help them in their post-election careers as, as YouTubers, you know, putting out, you know, stupidity and, and nonsense. Yeah, I can't imagine that the judge in this case, who I believe Judge Bran, I don't, I think that's correct, uh, will take kindly to that. Now, we haven't heard. We're still, this is happening live as you and I talk. Um, and, you know, Rudy got up and Rudy's uh, co-defense or co-plaintiff, you know, co-lawyer, I don't know what they call him, uh, di- didn't want to add anything. They were like, nope, uh, no. Uh, and and now um, lawyers for the defense are up arguing why this claim should be dismissed. And they seem to be arguing that on jurisdictional grounds and the right to sue. We'll talk about that in a minute. But can you talk briefly about... Because uh, here's there's a tweet that says in the original complaint, which has been significantly pared down, they removed 20 pages of complaint of the complaint. The Trump campaign alleged suspected instances of voter fraud in two Republican counties, but they did not sue those counties, only the blue counties. How does that now? I mean, that had been taken out of the case, yeah. but I imagine that's going to come up again. How does that look for for us, you know, a legal side trying to, to argue fairness? Yeah, it looks stupid. Um, because, <laughs> you, you know, these are who these people are. I mean, they just, there's no rhyme or reason. Um, it, it's like trying to open, you know, trying to peel an orange with a sledgehammer. Um, and, and that's essentially how they litigate, you know, we are going to just, you know, throw as much as we can at the court and maybe we'll get lucky. Um, you know, it's like playing roulette and you keep betting on orange, except there's no orange you know, <laughs> on the roulette table. And, but you'll, you may win one day because you feel that way. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's insulting. It's sanctionable conduct. Um, they should be sanctioned. Um, they should, you know, have bar complaints filed against them for, for putting up this frivolous nonsense, which is one of the r- reasons why all these law firms just hightailed it out of, out of town, you know, in terms of representing Trump. Because it's just, there's no good faith basis for any of these lawsuits. Right. It's like only Rudy Giuliani is the only one who is willing to completely trash his own law license, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, is you know, not that his reputation was doing too well before today, but you know, whatever scant aspects of that were left um, are, are, are obliterated. And, you know, I mean, you've got to look at really who's pulling the strings here. You know, who, who's held, you know, who is behind Rudy, who is behind Trump, who wants to keep doing, you know, having them do this. Um, you know, there, there's so many different angles, in my opinion, you know, of why they're doing this. You know, I think a, a big one is also to raise money, you know, through their ridiculous legal fund, because there's no, there's no legal cause of action. So that these funds are just in bad faith as well. And I think it's fraud as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, you know, there's that. And there's also, you know, causing more chaos political chaos in this country who benefits from something like that you, know, you got to think about that too so yeah and and can you explain to us because you know we we, we talked a little bit about rule um, 11 and somebody also mentioned rule 12 uh, what are the differences between those two rules uh, you, you briefly kind of went over what they mean like you can't I think one has to do with evidentiary support and and, and can you talk just a, a little bit about what those lay out and how they're being violated in this these opening statements by Rudy right I mean essentially you know they, you know I'm not you know specifically it all comes down to good faith you need to have a good faith basis to file a lawsuit to make allegations um, you need to have uh, credible evidence. Uh, or, or just, you know, 
reasonably credible evidence to, to, to put forth to the court that you have, in fact, um, a good faith basis for filing this lawsuit or filing, you know, uh, for, you know, a petition uh, for a temporary TRO or whatever, it is, whatever it may be. And if you don't have those things in play, if, if you're just filing stuff and you're using judicial resources and you're just lying um, and just fabricating things, that um, there's, a, there's a cornucopia of things that can happen to you if you do those things. And the court will act on those things, especially, you know, um, in, in these types of situations where the stakes are so high and where, you know, these actions that they filed in, in and of itself, you know, seek to disenfranchise voters, you know, the American people. Um, I, I can't imagine a judge looking at any of this, this cavalcade of nonsense and saying, okay, maybe I won't hold these attorneys to task for, for wasting my time and for, for creating this much chaos. So I guess to get back to your question, yes, that's the basic premise, you know, in terms of evident, evidentiary uh, issues and in terms of, um, you know, pleadings that you file with the court, um, you need to have a good faith basis for doing that. Otherwise, you know, woe unto you. Yeah. Does it, you, you said that that would happen. Does this happen a lot? Do, do lawyers get sanctioned for this kind of behavior? Because we haven't heard about that happening yet in any of these cases. And, and is it something that a judge just decides to do? Or do, uh, do you have to file a motion f- to have to be consider contempt or sanctions against a lawyer? That's a very good question. It can happen both ways. The court can do it sui sponte, meaning on their own volition. And um, a party opponent, uh, the defendants in this case, can what they do is they send a safe harbor letter under Rule 11. Okay, you know, you've got an opportunity to withdraw this claim. It's frivolous, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, we're going to make a motion for Rule 11 sanctions, and then the judge can vote on that. Um, so, yes, it can be done both ways. And, and what are the consequences of being sanctioned if, if, that, if it happened either sui sponte or by, via letter? Any number of different things. You pay uh, attorney, attorney fees for the other side. You, you, you get costs uh, assessed against you by the court. Um, you get pleading stricken, you know, you lose your case, uh, and real egregious acts of, of abusive judicial process can be basis for causes of action, um, for damages. Um, and you also can get reported to the bar, you can get suspended, you know, any number of different things. Well, 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 I can't imagine that not happening in this case, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And I don't think it'll take too long to find out either. I do have to take a quick break, but I do want to ask you now that we've talked about the lies, I do want to ask you about the actual uh, case itself and, and sort of what the reason for dismissal is. Would you stick around with me after this break? I sure will. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon, which provides connected fitness at an affordable price. There is nothing like the feeling of finishing a workout. Starting it, I'm not as good at, but once I'm done, I feel incredible. And Echelon prides itself on being able to help you achieve your fitness goals. So you just get that feeling more often, and their service is amazing. One Echelon membership lets up to five household members enjoy all the benefits. I love the huge variety of equipment and programs that they offer. They have connected bikes that give you an immersive 
studio experience, so it feels like you're in spin class. They have smart rowers that take you down the best waterways of the world, and they have the Reflect Smart Mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button. And there's just one app to connect them all. Echelon United provides access to all content throughout Echelon's products, and they have thousands of on-demand classes available with 30-plus accredited world-class trainers, including guest and celebrity instructors. Work out in the Echelon community and inspire each other. Um, help climb the leaderboards. I love that competition. Echelon's been featured in Women's Health, Cosmopolitan, Time, People. Wall Street Journal says Echelon has cracked the code. Yahoo Finance says Echelon is where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford. So if you want to turn things around and get in the best shape of your life, check out echelonfit.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to a civil rights attorney, and he sits on the board of, of uh, directors for the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. And I thought that was very important to speak to you today. Andy Laufer, thanks for joining me. Sure, my pleasure. So or before before the break, we were talking about all the lies and what's, you know, Rule 11, Rule 12 is and, and how lawyers can be punished, so to speak, for bringing court, you know, cases to court without any evidence, uh, which is clearly happening in this case. But eventually, Rudy does get to what's in the actual complaint, uh, which is the ability to cure errors on mail and ballots. And he says that some counties allowed it and some counties did not, and then says that that's exactly what happened in Bush v. Gore. Is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it really isn't. And it really is up to each state to how they you know, what they allow their various jurisdictions um, to handle, you know, correcting ballots and things of that nature. Um, Bush v. Gore was something completely different, um, you know, uh, and there's, there's really no bridge between the two, two matters. Um, you know, you, obviously you had an election back in 2000 that was much closer and really hinged upon Florida. I mean, here we have an overwhelming, as far as I'm concerned, um, consensus for, uh, you know, Biden to, to win here. Um, in Pennsylvania, um, you know, does he, does he even mention how many of these ballots were, were affected? You know, you've got to show, you know, it's like, it's so frustrating to listen to what Rudy says, because it's almost like you got to take him back to like your first year of law school. You've got to show injury. Were there complaining witnesses here? Okay. Was there someone who was notified that their ballot was defective and wasn't given an opportunity to, 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 to ameliorate that, that, that defect. Um, do they even have anyone like that? Um, merely because you have a rule that might, you know, be a little different from county to county or, or jurisdiction to jurisdiction doesn't necessarily mean there's a, there's an injury here. Um, doesn't mean that there was anyone disenfranchised. And that's their complaint is like, well, these people who, you know, in these Democrat run counties, uh, you know, Democrat run, quote unquote, w- would proactively call people who Models. needed to have yeah, who needed to have their ballots cured. They would proactively call them, and they didn't do that in the Republican counties, which then you would sue that Republican party. You, you could p- maybe take that up with the Republican county. Uh, but there's already been a case or two or a, eight, I, I don't know how many, in, in this batch of 25 cases so far that he's lost uh, about a challenge against counties that uh, allowed mail-in voters to cure defective ballots, and that didn't go well. That, that The Trump's lawyers were shredded in court over that. And they should be because, you know, these are state law issues and they have wide latitude on how they conduct elections. It's as simple as that. I mean, unless you can show some sort of, you know, discriminatory animus or some way that, you know, voters are being disenfranchised, you're not going to get anywhere. And and there's 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 just nothing there. I mean, like I said, he's just 
throwing, you know, I, I think I, I tweeted this out actually, you know, Rudy could have said something like in the complaint, you know, a, a hippopotamus ate thousands of Trump ballots and he says all these grandiose, insane things in the complaint doesn't mean anything. He's got to offer proof. He's got to offer credible evidence that this, that this occurred and that in some way it harms someone. And he hasn't done that. And they haven't done that in any case, let alone this one. He did hand in a photo. He submitted as an exhibit uh, someone using binoculars to observe the process. Not sure which process, not sure which where this is. And also that's not in their complaint anymore. Uh, and then, of course, the defense counsel said, do you represent as an officer of court that that is an exhibit is from a Philadelphia county? And Rudy said, I was told that. Yes. So he he is submitting something. Uh, but again, um, he said he would correct himself if he learns otherwise. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely bananas. Yeah, he's being he's being shady. I mean, you know, he's saying this is what I was told. OK, fine. So where's your witness that can authenticate this this picture? You know, let's get him on. Let's get him, him or her, him or her on the stand, and let's authenticate this picture. Because immediately, as a defense defense counsel, I would object to something like that. You know, you, this, this this exhibit is cannot be authenticated. You know, it's 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 hearsay within hearsay. You know, someone told me that this picture represents so and so. I mean, it's just it's asinine. It's the, 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 it's 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 really the keystone cops of lawyering. Mm-hmm. Defense attorneys get up. The ones who filed the motion to dismiss. Very calm, very cool. Counsel, they said counsel on the uh, on the other side of the aisle is focused on allegations that aren't in the complaint. This is Donovan, the lawyer for um, for the defendants, and he's, he's basically saying, you know, anything that the stuff that Giuliani was talking about was not in the actual lawsuit. And then he he basically says there's no claim in the complaint that any Pennsylvania voter cast more than one ballot. That's not in there. There's nothing unequal about the ability to cast a vote in this case. Uh, and he calls that claim the you know the claim that a tiny number of ballots were counted and shouldn't have been, uh, and so therefore all should be thrown out is an un-American claim. Um, and he says the plaintiffs failed to assert particularized concrete injuries under the law, which is exactly what you mentioned. And and this is again for first-year law student stuff. Now, what's happening here, and the reason they're filing for dismissal is they're arguing that. Uh, the government doesn't have a right to sue here. This is jurisdictional. The federal courts shouldn't even be hearing this. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you think the chances of the case being dismissed on jurisdictional reasons? Sure. I mean, absolutely. You know, as I said, you know, federalism, you know, we, the states oversee how they, um, uh, you know, how they go about, um, you know, holding their elections. And they have wide latitude with regard to something like that, unless there's some sort of animus discriminatory animus that, that, that kicks into play or voters are being disenfranchised. So the federal court really might not have subject matter jurisdiction here, meaning that we're, we're not violating a federal law. Federal law doesn't come into play. I mean, there's no diversity here. So I mean, those are the two ways you get the federal court generally um, is diversity of citizenship, 28 U.S.C. 1332 and 28 U.S.C. 1331, which is a federal question. Um, don't ask me how I remember I memorized that. <laughs> you know, 1331 is the federal question aspect, and that's generally the jurisdiction under, I assume that they're, they're attempting to, to, to have the court exercise its, its, its power over, over this matter. It should be brought probably in Pennsylvania state court, you know, um, uh, because they have an ultimate say. And unless there's some sort of, you know, civil rights violation, which I don't see here, I it just, it just... You know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, extrapolate a possible 
venue for them, you know, a, a way for them to kind of, and I'm a pretty creative guy, you know, a way for them to kind of have federal involvement here. And, and, and I just don't see it at all. And, and they didn't even name necessary parties. If you're going to sue for a violation, you've got to sue the people you claim committed the violation. So it just doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. And at the end, um, one of the defendants for the Allegheny Board of Elections uh, or one of the count lawyers for the Allegheny Board of Elections got up and he's like, Rudy Giuliani is arguing a totally different case. The pictures he's waving around have nothing to do with what's before you. And and it's already been, you know, destroyed in the, in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Right. And so at the, at the end, he just says to Judge Brand, dismiss the case, please, so we can move on. He notes the case has turned for some reason into some sort of lifeline for the Trump campaign. And we need to move on. We need to get this election certified. And now they're in a 10 minute recess. So. I don't know if they're going to make a decision today, but I appreciate you coming in and talking to us about the ins and outs of uh, of what is going on. And I, I certainly hope that uh, the judge or someone files to, uh, to sanction Rudy for this behavior, not that it's going to make a difference in his legacy or career, like you said, but just because it's the right thing to do. I agree wholeheartedly. We, you know, we've got to take our judiciary seriously. We've got to take our institutions seriously and treat them with the, with the deference and respect they deserve. Giuliani and Trump and the rest of the, the, the cavalcade of, of stupidity going on there is just treating it like a mockery. And every single thing that came out of his mouth is has absolutely no basis for anything that anyone should bring into a federal court in the first place. And if I ever go to law school, it's going to be a thesis, just going through line by line what Rudy said and why it's wrong. <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, it's, it's, I laugh, but it's also disturbing and sad so but i thank you for talking to us today everybody andy laufer where can people find you online sure uh you can follow me uh on twitter at laufer law um at laufer law that's it no dot com just laufer law okay all right thank you so much for talking to us today everybody hang around we'll be right back with the good news stay with us Hey everybody, it's AG. One unexpected side of this year is it seems like fast fashion doesn't exist anymore. I have no idea what the fashion trends are for, you know, nowadays. So do what I do. Don't buy for now. Buy for forever. For timeless pieces that will last a lifetime of wear, check out Fairty. Fairty makes high quality, comfortable clothing for life, right? The classics. They're sustainably minded, designing products with a thoughtful focus on fabric, and every piece is made to last a lifetime, guaranteed by the way. Fairty is committed to the community and the environment in all that they do. They regularly donate to the Surfrider Foundation and 1% for the Planet, two of my favorite orgs. This company is run by the Fairty family, and they have a very hands-on way of ensuring everything they do lives up to their values. I love the women's clothes from Fairty. I describe their style as casual and elegant. Some of my favorite pieces right now are the winter white Montana moto coat. I love it. The Paloma Duster cardigan is great. And the Alice cashmere sweater. Um, it's just like a sweater dress. It's so cozy. So check out their website. All their clothes are absolutely gorgeous. Buying forever is the smartest way to shop. And now's the smartest time to do it. Right now you get 25% off your next Faraday purchase when you go to FaradayBrand.com slash beans. That's Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, brand.com slash beans for 25% off. FaradayBrand.com slash beans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus, that we're at the good news part of the show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel, I mean, hopefully everyone at home feels like this is going faster or at work wherever you're listening to this, but this feels like a very long day. 
Yeah, I do have a brief update on the Rudy case. Uh, they didn't make a he didn't make a ruling. The judge asked for briefings uh, to be filed by Wednesday at five on the amended complaint because they the the Republicans amended their complaint and then they the uh, defendants filed to have it dismissed and now they want to give Rudy a chance to to re- respond. He's got until five p.m. tomorrow, but they did cancel the additional hearing on Thursday which means we'll probably get a ruling from the bench and we will tell you how that goes. I I've, I've put my beans on. They're going to laugh it out of court and he's probably going to get mad uh, at Rudy for, for wasting the court's time. That's my feeling. But he was really cordial at the end of the, the judge was really in a good mood. In fact, after everybody was done, he, I sat there and I listened on the, on the court uh, press line. He was making recommendations. If you're staying overnight, uh, you know, we, we got this great hotel. There's some breweries you should check out. Like, and I'm like, it, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll see what happens. And some very good news, uh, kind of the first good news story. The one case, the Trump side won. The one case has been overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. <laughs> That's so Trump. He's zero for twenty five. <laughs> He's zero for twenty five. <laughs> Lost nine more cases Friday, four more on Monday, um, and then they overturned his one win. Womp womp. So that's pretty great. My goodness. <laughs> Let's go over to uh, listener submitted good news. If you have a good news story, whether it's personal or political, attach pictures of your children and pod pets as tax and send them to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I really appreciate it. You can also submit your corrections if I if we've made any errors. Uh, and also confessions if you're into confessing something, quarantine confessions. Um, we're going to be on lockdown, so... Those might start coming in again at a faster clip. Let's kick this off. Uh, first good news story. Lori, pronoun she and her. Good news. I have felt so empowered by the results of the general that I quit smoking. Nice. It's only been two and a half days, but I already feel better. My food tastes better. I'm sleeping so deeply. Anyway, I'm sending out get out the vote postcards, reclaim our vote for the Georgia senatorial runoffs. I have complete faith we can turn the tide in Georgia and make the jobs of Moscow, Mitch and Leningrad Lindsay so much harder. Little confession, I am still flipping birds at Trump pen signs here in our little Florida town, just for the joy of it. One has been defaced, so that just adds to the joy. I'm including pics of our canine pod pets. The small, whitish dog, Mustard, is a seven-year-old corgi lab mix, and the brown baby is a four-year-old pit who requires a lot of love. We also have a tabby cat who is hard to pin down for a photo. All are (laughs) rescues. Oh, You could tell that that little baby needs love. Yes. And the mustard, the corgi lab mix, just like, "Mm." I know. It's like, all right, I get (laughs) it. I'm adorable. Look at me. Oh, I'm so happy to have this next one because I I briefly looked over the... uh, Looked over it. Um, I left this for you on purpose. Because, because of the picture at the end. Okay. I'm f- okay. Yep. <clears throat> this one's from anonymous pronoun she and her. I finally taken the bull by the horns and I'm opening my business on Black Friday. Yes. I make soaps, lotions, bath bombs, and other self-care products with fragrances inspired by badass female historical figures. And I've spent the last past several months planning, building a website, and product testing. I've been making soap since 2015, but several cross-country moves and two children later means my free time for hobbies has been minimal to non-existent. But now that my youngest is over a year old and we aren't going anywhere for a while, I can find little bits of time here and there to make it work, and I'm so excited. Also, more than a little terrified, but mostly excited. 
For tax, please enjoy pictures. <laughs> for tax, for tax, please enjoy. Stop it, AG. For tax, please enjoy pictures of our boys, Sergeant and Pepper. Sergeant is our big dumb idiot who loves everyone and the most patient cat with grabby little baby hands. Pepper's a lot more shy with strangers, but once he realizes you'll pet him, it's impossible to get him off your lap. Now, this is where I lost it. Also, please enjoy my eldest first ever school picture from daycare pre-COVID. I have personally made this face so many times in the past four years so I can see where she gets it. This (laughs) face is literally Kamala Harris. If she was giving side eye to like Jim Jordan, it is what I feel like this would look like. Like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, this picture is what? is wrong with you oh this side is amazing anonymous thank you so much for this picture this baby is beautiful first of all but who you've got I mean, you bet your hands full because that is a look that would crush me if i yeah. was a mom <laughs> that's like a what you talking about willis look yeah. and it's it's the perfect and look at these babies look at these Maine Coon babies they're beautiful and the big oh chonkers the oh. big tuxedo man oh man so cute thank you for thank those you pictures. for those pictures yes all right, next up from Jacob, pronouns he and him. Hey, Beans team. I've always wanted to write, but it never felt like I've had anything fun to share. But I was inspired by the swath of Philly peeps who keep writing in and wanted to hop on the bandwagon. Like a lot of other people, I was never too into politics until that horrible thing got elected. I look for podcasts to help me through the dark times I've been listening since the very beginning. So thankful for every single person who has been part of your show because you all bring so much light into the darkness. I'm a musician, actor by trade, and I was working cons- uh, consistently in musicals and operas after undergrad up until the fall when I started my first year of law school, which is super dope. Although I'm a student now and my job wasn't affected by COVID, the arts industry is really struggling. And I see so many friends out of their theater work and restaurant jobs. A little PSA. Everyone should see a show at their local theater and support local art in any way you can. I digress. This year, I wanted to do anything I could to help out with the election, but I had a lot of firsts. Um, joined, I joined the Young Democrats of PA. I phone banked. I canvassed. I worked the polls here in Philly, which was so much fun. I was nervous for each one, but made my friends. I made friends along the way, and so happy I went out of my comfort zone to do new things. These are all the firsts, and uh, help get Dumpy out of office. Election day was so energetic because everyone was so excited to vote, and I was in building with the building with eight other districts. I was the clerk recording people's names and party affiliation, and we saw a lot of Republicans vote for Biden, but Republican down ballot when we printed the results. We also had one sweet angel who just turned 18, was shaking with nerves, and asked for help three times because this election was so important to her and she didn't want to mess it up. Oh, God. Everyone cheered for her when she came out, and she was so happy. I love the new AGDG team. You guys rock. Also, AG, you mentioned going to law school. I think you definitely should because you're total badass and the world needs more good lawyers. Anyway, thank you for making the news fun and insightful. P.S. This is my cat, Wendy Darling. She's a rescued tortie and the light of my life. She always sleeps with her paws over her eyes. <laughs> I think it's to hide from the bullshit. <laughs> it's super cute. Yeah, I've got a um, Bruce Willis hugs his eyes. So sweet. He like, mm, you know, grabs his face. Yeah. They do that. My goodness. I love it. I love it. Next up from anonymous pronoun she, her. Now that Uncle Joe has won, I feel I can confess something. I donated. I texted. I wrote postcards. Not as much as I could have, which is the confession in its own right, considering how much I posted and emailed links to take action to everyone I knew. But this is my real confession. I was too chicken to phone bank. Anxious as hell two weeks before the election, I thought I had better really change myself or 
you know, if we lost, I would regret not having pushed myself out of my comfort zone when my country needed me, so I signed up. However, during the Zoom meeting to train volunteers before the calling session, I got rather confused about how the platform was really going to work once I got on it myself. The thought of figuring it out for real while placing a live call was just too intimidating, so I bailed. Before the pandemic, my local Indivisible chapter was hosting group events, including phone banking training, where you could sit with someone and get walked through side by side. I think that's the kind of training I need. Hopefully, we'll be back to live meetings in time for me to have someone hold my hand while I get over the phobia for 2022. I'm committed to pushing myself to work harder every election that I did for uh, the one before than I did the one before. Anyway, I felt so guilty. I logged into ActBlue and donated a ton of money. <laughs> my husband has not seen the credit card statements for this month. And though he'll be a little shocked when he sees it, he knows we need to invest in democracy. I've included pod pets enjoying the wood stove. Our big fat boy is very happy. Oh, my goodness. Look at the guy. <gasps> That's amazing. That is a chonk. That's a chonker. That is a serious chonk. And he's stretch out, outstretched, got toes. He's long. He's oh, gone long. Cute. And long cat. none of his limbs are touching the floor. It's really amazing. <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> Uh, but you know, anonymous though, I, I'm with you. Like it can be really, uh, intimidating to, to phone bank. And some people just learn right there by like, you know, physical interaction. We can't do that because of COVID. So, you know, don't be hard on yourself. It's, it's some, it's, that's how you learn. That's your learning style, you know? Yep. And you know what? Some people are really, they really enjoy the phone banking and just know that you're doing, your part and you're doing your strengths and I love that you're going to go out of your comfort zone, but just know that even if it doesn't happen, you're making a difference. So don't be too hard on yourself, especially right now. Uh, we got more good news. This comes this from next one is great. Jen, I know <laughs> pronoun she and her in August, we adopted a pod dog. Tanner's our very first dog as a family and he's worked out great. Our son started back to hybrid education because our son is the dog's person. My husband took Tanner in his truck to pick him up from school the first day back. Then today Tanner sat staring at the front door until it was time to pick up his boys. So of course he got, um, he got to ride along again. Now I started getting texts from my husband as he was waiting in the school parking lot. It started with Tanner really needs to stop farting. Maybe it's because the meds I finally, maybe it's because the meds I finally started taking for anxiety and depression are kicking in, but maybe it's because the lifting of election anxiety has me giddy. Probably it's both, but I could not stop laughing. (laughs) Once I admitted to my husband, I was in my office laughing like an idiot. I got a barrage of dog fart texts. I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard. That my ribs ached. So the good news is that I'm in a fantastic mood for the first time in forever. And the confession is that apparently all it took was for someone else to be tortured by dog farts. Here's a recent dog shaming pic of our counter thief. Um, and family picks a you can see how lucky we were to adopt this puppy. Love to all the leguminati. Oh, look at them. Tanner is super cute. There's a little sign next to Tanner, and I'm sure you'll send out this picture, but it says, I'm too shy to ask for attention. So when my people were all busy, I pulled down and smashed the jar of peanut butter, stole a spatula, and made a nest out of every sock in the clean laundry. (laughs) I love dog shaming. Oh, my God. I love when the dogs have signs next to them. It makes me laugh. Tanner needs to stop farting. Oh, look at those handsome family, too. Ah. Anyway, thank you for your good news stories. Appreciate it. Send them in. Again, dailybeanspod.com. Please, please, please send them in. We need them. And we're going to need them. And uh, do you have any anything before we get out of here? No. I, I just uh, I hope you're all having a good week. Um, just it, same as always. Just be safe. Just be safe. 
Yeah, please do. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.